0: Hey everybody, this is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California, with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is Coast to Coast to Coast, part two of our discussion on our favorite albums of all time. Enjoy!
1: The Beatles are the greatest band of all time. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to argue that. Um, well <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think you could make a case for probably five of their albums of any of those five being the greatest of all time.
0: I think I know what you're gonna say, but
1: go <laughs> okay, well, um, among their albums. Um, Personally, I'm of the opinion that Abbey Road is the greatest album of all time. I mentioned that during another episode, but just to reiterate it here, um, you could also say, you could say that albums like Revolver, the White Album, and Sgt. Pepper were more influential. Um, Certainly the case, but I consider Abbey Road to be the superior album. Um, On side A, you have, george harrison's something which is my favorite beatles song of all time however even if you removed that song i still would consider it the greatest album of all time that's how strong the rest of the album is um side b is basically a medley of like eight or so songs um mostly short pieces that it just goes from one seamlessly into the other that wasn't really something that bands were doing at the time but um I just love how each part of that um medley changes and it always gives me um a big like rush of excitement especially when I get through the end the latter part of that album um and uh so it was also fun a couple of years ago same trip when I discovered sticky Doffy pudding, uh, my wife and I went to um, visit Abbey Road and uh, visited the did, studio and did, uh, did the you, walk. Did you, uh, yeah, we, we did, did you the make walk. Take a photo. Pictures. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there are cars that were getting upset. <laughs> we were holding up traffic, but. But they weren't that upset because it's like, come on, if you're taking Abbey Road as you're like, working, like <laughs> they you're have to know
2: working, what the deal is by now, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what's oh, rent- go ahead. Sorry. We we rented a car at that point, um, and it was the the uh, Hertz location that was like right by Ra- Abbey Road, and so obviously I put the album on and and drove around listening to it. And that kind of just um, enhanced the experience for me of the album, even though I already it was already my favorite at the time. But um, yeah, so I mean, the Beatles obviously. I mean, most bands. I mean, even looking at Jimi Hendrix, like most fans, their debut is like their best album, and a lot of bands kind of decline from there. But I think almost the opposite. You could say the opposite is true for the Beatles. Um, they're very unique in that sense, where they evolved throughout their career, um, and I just think. This album is, this is the final album they recorded before they broke up. And I think it serves as the perfect culmination of everything that they developed as a band throughout the 60s, and also is a good closing point to what was the greatest career in popular music of all time.
2: Mm. When you did the Abbey Road uh, photo recreation, was it just uh, you and your wife in the photo? (laughs)
1: It's funny because we went there just the two of us, and there was another group, uh, interestingly enough, of Japanese people who were trying to do the same thing, but they didn't have enough members either. There, they were three or <laughs> two, and um, and they didn't even know the poses. I was like, guys, you got to stand like this. You got to stand like this. You're going to be, you know, like put your feet. They were like just standing there. I'm like, you're doing it wrong. So <laughs> I, 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 I have I have to
2: ask: Did they um, hold up their two fingers like a peace sign?
1: They are probably trying to until I told them no. You know, <laughs> that was not
2: on not, the album, man. Not
1: really good. Not for this one. Yeah, so I completed their photo, and then, um, actually, I think just my wife and I took it, the two of us. Now that I remember. Okay,
2: I thought maybe you tried to recruit uh, a George and a Ringo.
0: <laughs> All right, <laughs> Roy, right, your turn.
2: All right, I cheated again. <laughs> I'm sorry for cheating um but uh i you know this is my favorite band and i tried picking one cd from them uh but i couldn't um so it's actually three different cds by the eels uh w- which are my favorite band which probably many people don't even know about um but the three albums are uh, electroshock blues Followed by Daisies of the Galaxy and then Soul Jacker. And uh these three albums came out in succession one after the other uh in the span of three years from nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand one. Uh which is mind-blowing to me that, that in three years uh the Eels the Eels is most well, the Eels is mostly the, the brainchild of the lead singer Mark Oliver Everett, um who, who basically does most everything in the band. Um, And it's amazing to me that in a three-year span, he he came out with these three albums. Um, So the thing about uh, the lead singer is that um, the type of album he puts out is very much dependent on his mood at the time, like his emotional state. So I guess what happened uh, before Electroshock Blues came out, uh, his sister committed suicide. Um, and so that was um, obviously uh, uh, at the forefront of his mind when, when he came out with uh, Electroshock Blues. And so, so it's a very dark album. And uh, I guess some might call it depressing. Uh, but as far as that type of album, you know, that kind of that, that really um, uh, emotionally uh, moving album that, that's meant to be dark, and and meant to kind of uh, hit you in the feels, as the kids would say. Um, I don't I don't think there's an album that does it better than this one. It's uh, it's very sad to listen to, but but in the same way that that like a sad movie um, can uplift you, I, I feel like this album uh, is like strangely uplifting. Um, and then he followed that album. With a uh, "Daisies of the Galaxy," which is the exact opposite in tone, I guess he kind of moved on <laughs> and uh, and felt happier with his life, and so he came out with "Daisies of the Galaxy," which is like this totally upbeat, uh, life affirming. All the songs are like, "I feel good today. It's good to wake up." <laughs> like, uh, there's actually one of my favorite tracks on the album the title of the song is I like birds. That's the name of the song. And it's really good. And it's just a song about how like he appreciates birds. And uh, the song is like, I don't give a crap about all the horrible things that are going on in the world. Cause we still have birds. That's like the premise of the song. Do you
1: think It's, it's tongue in cheek or is it, is it?
2: No, it's different? not, it's not meant to be tongue in cheek. It's, it's meant to be like life affirming, like, like, man, wh- why don't we all like, take a pause and, and think about the beauty all around us? Um, and, and he does that perfectly. Uh, this album has the song Mr. E's Beautiful Be- Blues, which um, it's, uh, you might not know it by the name, but it was used in the soundtrack to uh, the movie Road Trip. And uh, it actually gets used in a lot of soundtracks. And uh, it's the song I wake up to every morning. It's a song that goes, uh, God damn right, it's a beautiful day. Like, like, that's the famous line from it. And uh, so I use that to wake me up every morning. And then, uh, so he followed that album with Souljacker, which actually came out, it was released on September 19th, 2001, a week after 9-11. So it completely kind of came and went and, and, you know because of you know 9 no, 11 nobody really paid attention to it but uh he switched here to like completely experimental uh rock just using all sorts of weird things that are not instruments but he like makes them into instru- like banging on you know cans or whatever um almost almost like blue man group type the the way he's like using objects as instruments um, and he nails that perfectly, too. It, it's all this, like, experimental stuff that, that somehow works. And so it's just amazing to me that in the span of three albums, this guy put out, like, the perfect sad album, the perfect uplifting album, and the perfect experimental album. And he did it all, like, one after the other. And, and I, yeah, it's, like, an amazing run of uh of albums that he put out in three years.
1: Cool. Nice. I think a lot of people um don't know who the eels are. (laughs) Right, right. If I'm not mistaken. So I'm glad that you're giving them some recognition like that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I I know the name. I just don't know if I I really don't know if I heard any of their songs. Um they
2: uh they actually they had some modest success In on MTV in the mid 90s with the song Novocaine for the Soul, Mm. uh, which is from like 1996, uh, which is not on any of the three albums I mentioned, it's actually earlier than that. Um, but but that was like their biggest MTV hit. But they've been making albums since then, like they just came out with an album in 2018, so Mm. so they're still uh making music,
0: okay now. I'm with Derek, of course, about the Beatles. It's it, Obviously, it's hard to it's hard to argue um, against them being the greatest band of all time. And choosing an album that I would say is the greatest of all time. And I love Abbey Road. I think it's an amazing album. Um, most of their albums I think are amazing. I'm going to go with Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> obviously, Sgt. Pepper, Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, I love the concept of it was It was the, it was the uh, first time I had heard anything like that before, so obviously I'm partial to hearing something like that. But um, I think that their musical sensibilities and all their experimentation, I thought came together really well in that album. I think these, the, the idea that they could have an album that had some you know rock and some ballads and some you know some mellow music and then some really experimental stuff. I think it's just great. And every song, I, there's a whole story in every song. I mean, with the help of my friends and Lucy in the sky, I mean, for the benefit of being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. I love the circusy atmosphere of that song. A Day in the Life. I mean, what a great song to end on. I mean, A Day in the Life is just, uh, that's an incredible, incredible song in itself. It's a whole, uh, it's a whole movie, you know? And, um, I would choose that, but if 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 someone out there wants to do Abbey Road, I'm like fine with that too. You know what I mean? It's just it's hard to decide. I'm just going with this one because I just I just love the compilation. The selection goes together very well. There's not a weak song on the bunch. Every every song I think is just amazing. So
1: yeah, I mean, I would argue um, definitely. I mean, I would argue for uh, Sergeant Pepper being more influential probably the most influential album of all time um
0: but i can understand why you chose abbey road too i mean that's yeah
1: at that point it's like splitting hairs as to say which one is better and i don't really i I wouldn't say one is objectively better than the other it's just more of a a preference yeah and if you want to say that revolver was was the better album i i wouldn't argue with that either
0: I would say Meet the Beatles. If you said Meet the Beatles is the best one, I'd say "Mm, no.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't still great, but if I say that, it to what they did after, it's kinda hard to make that's what I was saying. There's five albums and you could also say Robert Sell or the White Album. I could if you wanted to argue that for being the best album of all time, either of those, um, I wouldn't say you're wrong. Yeah, their first few albums, I mean, as good as they are, it's just they, they outed themselves. Yeah.
2: Exactly. A while back, uh, VH1 came up with their list of the 100 greatest albums, and they had uh, Revolver as their number one yeah. album of all time.
1: Yeah. It, it It switches between, you know, some publications will, will say it's Sgt. Pepper's. Um, I, I don't usually see Abbey Road Place as number one, but for me, it's just my personal favorite. And, and getting back to what I was saying, I think 1969, when Abbey Road came out, that's another one of my favorite years in music. Mm. Yeah. Just like culmination of everything that was going on in the 60s. And uh, um, obviously 1970, uh, a lot of different things going on in music at that time. But I think like, 1969 is a really interesting uh, time to be... Uh, obviously we weren't alive at that time, but if if we were, I think it'd be a really interesting time to live through seeing all the new uh, albums coming out as they were coming out.
0: Yeah. Do you guys have anything to recommend this week?
1: I will recommend uh, something music-related. Um, I like listening to uh, Postmodern Jukebox. Mm. Have you guys heard of it?
2: I've heard of it. I've never listened so to it.
1: It's. Um, it's not really a band per se it's more a music collective um on youtube they have a channel and basically the theme is um they cover recent songs in a old style of music so common styles usually it's like 20s jazz or 30s uh 40s big band or um New Orleans style 30s jazz or something like that. It's like old traditional styles of music, but they take very modern songs. Sometimes they even take like rap songs or uh something by Lizzo or like Miley Cyrus or something um that you wouldn't expect to hear in one of those old traditional American styles. And the band members are really really talented and they just kind of it's like if you just watched it they you wouldn't think the song came out recently they really kind of time travel the song into that um period that older period where it seems like it connects it would it would connect it would um it wouldn't sound out of place in that time and i just think they have a really good way of of arranging the songs and they usually come out with a new song every week and they have like 300 songs that they've covered already and you can just go on and stream them. And um, I just, I think it's a really good, really interesting theme. There are some songs that I didn't think I would like, or I don't like the original, but hearing them do it, it kind of puts it in a different light. Mm, Cool. Jeff, Uh how about you?
0: So, I have uh, an obscure movie from
2: the 90s,
0: and I have a TV series. Which one do you want to hear?
2: Well, it's us both. Oh, uh, what's the movie, yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: the obscure movie from the 90s, and let me know if you've heard of it. It's called Man of the Century.
1: Haven't heard of it.
0: No. Okay. It's, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty good about it, getting obscure movies. Okay. Man of the Century is a comedy film directed by Adam Abraham, and it's written by Abraham and Gibson Frazier. And it's about a guy named Johnny Twenties, who is a fast talking newspaper reporter who talks as a 1920s pulp character, but it's set in the present day. And Johnny Twenties doesn't know it's the the present day, present day being 1989. But uh, he basically uh, doesn't know the lingo that people use. He just seems to be a character that seems to be plucked from the 1920s in that time period. It's never explained why. He, you know, is that way. It's just part of the way he is, and you know, of course, they ask him like, "Are you gay?" And he's like, "Of course I'm gay. I'm gay as a day in May." And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, do you know, I mean, you know what I mean. You don't like girls. I like girls. I like all kinds of people. I'm just good natured. So mm-hmm. it's just that kind of thing. He says his curses are "oh banana oil." <laughs> so it's like you fell for that the one. Of the
1: movie that you don't like, right, Jeff? Yeah. What'd you say? <laughs> That's the only <laughs> part of the movie that you don't like, because oh, banana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, no. no, it's a hey, it's a curse word, so it makes sense because it's bananas. <laughs> anyway, but it says, but like you know, he uses a lot of the the lingo, and it's uh, it's just a really fun uh, uh, send up of the nineteen twenties early early films that uh, were around movies that were set around that time with those type of characters, and and it's kind of uh, an absurdist humor to put him in with uh people from the current time Uh, i'm trying to think who else is in it um that you would know i don't know any other actors that you might know but um it's just a well-done movie it's it's not even it's not even an hour and a half and you can watch it all on youtube for free if you'd like
2: so they don't sorry they don't explain uh what what he's doing in that time period
0: they don't, they never explain, so the movie, what's, what's good about the movie is it's in black and white and the main character is dressed up like he would in the 1920s and everyone else is dressed up as they would in the modern era. And it's interesting because it makes you question it less because he's, uh, because they're all in black and white. So it's interesting, um, the way it was done. I kind of wish that it was just him in black and white and everyone was <laughs> in color, but, uh, I think it like yeah, I was going to say like Pleasantville, but no, it's, it's a cute little movie. I, I thought it was fun. Um, and uh, if you're interested in seeing something kind of like an overlooked movie that didn't get a lot of attention when it first came out, I'd, I'd say this is, this is one. Check out. On was the this double. in movie theaters? <laughs> it was. It didn't do very well. It did, did pretty okay. poorly, actually. I, 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 had
1: a, I only sure, gave yeah. one of my recommendations. Oh, oh good. Yeah, sure. Derek, I don't go know if you wanted to. Yeah, go ahead. Put it in. Okay. So uh I have a recommendation uh for a video game, a video game recommendation. I don't know how Ooh. much you guys play video games nowadays. Um
0: Hardly ever. But go ahead. Okay.
1: Well, that's <laughs> about to change cuz um I recently got I have a Switch. I don't know if you guys have a Nintendo Switch, but if you do, um oh. I recently got the Mega Man Anniversary Collection. Cool. And it's rekindling a lot of fun memories that I have playing the Mega Man series. So basically uh, several years back they released the Mega Man Legacy Collection part one, which was like Mega Man Mega Man 1 through six in one game and then years after that they released the Legacy Collection part 2, which collected seven through 10. And so now the, with the anniversary collection, the one I'm recommending, it has you can get uh, one through ten in the same purchase and mm. it's pretty cool. Um, I'm enjoying going back and playing all of those old stages and the little old bosses again. And uh, it's helping pass the time. So I don't know if you guys had uh, an affinity for the series, but it was definitely, you know, we talked about video games before and this was one of the games that didn't really get uh, mentioned. It wasn't, particularly like a top three favorite for me, but I've always loved the Mega Man series. And this is a fun way to revisit it. So Mega Man anniversary collection available for the Nintendo switch. If you have it, it's um, good, good purchase. I would say. Awesome.
2: Do you ever uh, think back in wonder at the sheer number of video games you've played, like the different number of games? <laughs> um, it just struck me because I have played—I uh, don't know—at least six of the Mega Man's, and um, then like hundreds of other games for Nintendo. And I'm like, when did I have the time to do all that? <laughs> but but I I did at some point.
1: Yeah, well, playing the this 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 series, uh, it did make me think about the element of time and how when we were kids. Uh, we've kind of talked about this before a little bit, but it was like you never really considered how much time you were playing the games for. And now it's like, okay, I have an hour in between doing this and then starting this, so I'll play this game. And then it's kind of like your day's broken down into chunks, and it's if you're lucky enough to find a chunk of time to play for a video game for, then you can, can play for that hour or so. And then it's crazy to think how many hours, I was thinking the same thing, like how many hours have I put into games? It's crazy. But if you're enjoying that time, then. Like-
2: <laughs> and then you think like, well, what if I had been looking for a cure for cancer instead? <laughs> <laughs> like how much further along yeah. would be towards probably a cure? Probably not much
1: further. If <laughs> probably not
2: much further. Yeah. <laughs>
0: One of the best, one of the best things that can happen is like you're playing a game and like you beat the game or got to a level that you tried really hard to get to that you knew was hard, and then dinner's ready. It's like <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that's like the best day ever.
2: And sometimes yeah. like you pause the game and you hope nothing weird happens. Like when you get back yeah. from dinner, <laughs> like, like your oh, little yeah. brother hits the start for like hidden yeah, that, power or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that's terrible. But I like when, like, you beat the game or something, you win the game, and like dinner is like on the table. You just gotta go eat it. I like the f- going back to food. <laughs> and they're having olives. No, I'm just I was kidding. Froy's coming the, over and throw oh, olives.
2: The endings to almost every Nintendo game is a disappointment once you well, beat a game.
0: Wait, the original Nintendo or the Super Nintendo games? Because original, yeah, Nintendo the original are- Nintendo. Yeah, okay, the yeah. so Super Nintendo has some pretty good endings. You. Th-
2: Okay. Super Nintendo, Derek, what do
0: you think? <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong here?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um I think with Nintendo games, another thing I noticed playing these the older Mega Man games is that games used to be a lot harder. I don't yeah. know if you guys
0: <laughs> Well, you know what happened. It's Mega like games you had a certain number of lives. And you yeah. had now games, you don't, you have infinite lives. You have infinite chances. You have infinite,
1: because, you know, because now that the idea is there are so many other games that you can play for free that you just, you, if there's any point where someone feels bored during the game or frustrated, they're just going to stop playing. So yeah. it's, when we were growing up and we had, you, you'd you spend $60 on a Nintendo game, you only had like three or four games. You know, It's not like you had this like thousands of games at your fingertips. So the right. point was to make them hard so that you would have to spend a lot of time beating it. And I think a lot of the times they didn't even expect you to beat it. And that's why the you are like, and you win. That's it. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, who's gonna get this far anyway? <laughs> yeah.
0: And some games were actually so convoluted that their only way you could figure it out is if you had some sort of like, you know, Nintendo Power, or you yeah, had a, you know they were like
1: right. they were mercilessly difficult. Yeah. Like the well, sorry, yeah. no just like playing uh the legend of zelda and just not knowing what to do next and just trying to remember uh rounding up people during recess who so would play the game and asking them how they got through certain parts of the game and uh, it's crazy to think how we were how you would do that before the internet and uh right. now it's games it's just like they walk your hand through it you know
0: and castlevania you had to like go outside, stand next to a wall, crouch down for five seconds, and then a tornado would take you to the next part of the game. I was like, how would you know that? You, you wouldn't know that. There's no, that's not even a hint in the game to do that.
1: I actually um, am friends with the person who who is the former president of Konami, who was president during the time when they released Castlevania II. Oh, wow. And uh, I asked him, um, why did <laughs> you do, do that? So <laughs> yeah. And his response was, um, what did he say? His response was like, We're our, our objective is not to make the games easy, it's to make them challenging. So, like, if you don't like it, then play something else. It was, it was terrible. Cool.
0: Well, Thomas. To, you know, his I, guns. if his objective was also to make it not fun, he succeeded. So, <laughs> you can tell him that. No, it. I mean, the first Castlevania was a lot of fun, and I think Symphony of the Night, I think, is really fun, too. But Castlevania Two is universally considered one of the worst I of the Castlevanias.
1: Well, I like the game. Um,
0: Castlevania II? Are you sure you remember awful. it correctly? It so difficult,
1: but it, it was yeah. an interesting um, aesthetic. I mean, the fact that it changes from day to night and gets super <laughs> difficult at night, I mean, way too difficult. But it, it was cool. It was a cool, uh, was a cool feature.
0: I would say I like the third one better. what was the one with Alocard? Was that the third one? I think it was I don't
1: know. I believe so. It was a
0: little more fun. They they and Super Nintendo like redid one of them. Um I thought that was a lot more fun. I think it was Symphony of the Night, I think that's what I'm thinking of. But well, that, was, that, was, that was one for PlayStation. I don't know. But um yeah, it seemed like a lot of games back in the day, they just weren't made to be explored for hours and hours and hours. It seemed like you know, they knew that you would be uh, working on it and you'd have to really do trial and error to see if you can get through the game. And if you beat those games without any help, I gotta say, I'm impressed. And please write to us and let us know. <laughs> Let's, let us know what your thoughts are. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover by sending us a message at coast to coast Coast Podcast at gmail.com. That's coast, the number two, coast the number two, and then coastpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, comments, game reviews, challenges, criticisms, anything you'd like, please. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you all next week. You know, sometimes when I say coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com, I feel like I'm going to say it four times. Like coast to coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail. you know what I mean?
2: That's what my girlfriend calls our podcast. Coast to coast to coast to coast. (laughs) You know, I I really think we
0: should have spent a little more time on the title.